All right, Philippians 4. Uh, Let me pray for us real quick. Father, I ask that you would open up your word, that you'd get me out of the way, and that you would speak clearly. Lord, we need to hear this tonight. We need to hear from you. And so I ask that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Before we dive into Philippians 4, um, I actually want to start by going to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs for chapter 31, because it's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Uh, Anybody know what Proverbs 31 is about? Come on. I mean, mumbling, come on, somebody. That's right, women, the, the excellent wife, the godly woman. Uh, so I know you're probably thinking, so, so why is that one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible? Uh, it's my favorite for a couple of reasons. One, just because you're a dude, you can still actually apply things that are written to women. Uh, we ask women to do that all the time, to the things that are addressed to brothers in Christ throughout the Bible. And so Proverbs 31 is a lot of great lessons, a lot of truths to men as well. Uh, Plus, I also like to hold it up over my wife and tell her all the things that she is not doing um, because the list is pretty incredible what the woman does. Uh, This woman, she seems to uh, set this impossible standard for living when you go through Proverbs 31. She always does good to her spouse. She does all of the shopping. She does all of the cleaning. She does all of the cooking. Uh, She dabbles in real estate. She runs a small business. She makes her own clothes. She raises all of her children well, says that she is beautiful in appearance. She is respected by everyone. Uh, This is one of those those ladies, if she had an Instagram account, you know, you would all follow her. Uh, and you would actually secretly all hate her uh, because she has that, that perfect, perfect life. You know, the, the, the perfect face, the perfect body, the perfect husband. She could do everything well. And so it, it, you have to keep following her, but you actually secretly hate her. And this is the woman here in Proverbs 31. But there's one characteristic that's listed that I think surpasses all of the other characteristics um, that uh, the, the person writing this writes about her. One characteristic that's far harder to attain than simply making your own clothes or running a business while looking flawless, and it's found in verse 25. When the person who wrote this says, says that this woman is one who laughs at the future. She laughs at the future. Uh, she looks at the future with all of the uncertainties that are there, and even though she, she doesn't know what's going to come her way, she can already just laugh at it. Whatever comes, she's going to rejoice, and she laughs. She laughs at joy at all the potential blessings that are going to come her way, and she can laugh in derision at all the potential dangers ahead because she knows they won't ultimately harm her. She knows she is safe. So even though she doesn't know what the future is going to bring, uh, likely a mix of sorrow and a mix of joy, it doesn't matter. She can laugh at it. This is a woman who's not anxious about anything. So of all of the qualities of this excellent woman, this is the one that I marvel at more than other 
any others her ability to laugh at the future. So does this describe you? One who could laugh at the future. Uh, when you look at all the uncertainties, you know, questions like, will you ever find the one? Uh, are you actually going to make it through finals? Are you going to graduate? Are you going to be like uh, all the other millennials out there living in their parents' basement when it's all said and done, uh, trying to pay off student debts? Uh, when, when you look in the future, can you laugh? Or are you full of anxiety? Is your heart full of fear or is it full of peace? Uh, that's what this person is writing about. He's describing someone who has perfect peace, perfect peace in their lives, somebody who's unaffected by any circumstance. I, I want you to think of that, that one thing that's kind of in the back of your mind right now that really never goes away, that, that's a constant source of anxiety for you. Wouldn't you love to be able to just laugh at it? When you laugh at something or someone, you're saying you have no power over me. Now, Paul, he writes about this type of peace. He writes about how we can have that kind of rejoicing or that laughter. He says it's possible because Jesus has given us the peace that is described in Proverbs 31. You know, one of the last things that Jesus ever said before he left his disciples, we read about it in John 14. It's at that last meal, and he says, peace I give to you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace do I give it to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, nor, or neither let them be afraid. Uh, Jesus is filled with such peace at this moment that even though he is just mere hours away from being brutally tortured and killed, he's the one actually offering peace to his disciples. He's the one comforting them, not the other way around. Now, when Paul writes here about peace in Philippians 4, he almost certainly has in mind the words that Jesus said to his disciples. Peace I give you, not as the world gives peace do I give it to you. Paul is really just kind of fleshing out what Jesus has already said concerning peace. So we have to ask, what is peace? Well, we know peace by its opposite. Peace is the opposite of fear. Peace is the opposite of anxiety. So right after Jesus said that he was going away, and he said, the peace I give you, he said these words, let not your hearts be troubled or anxious, neither let them be afraid. So his peace is the remedy of a troubled and anxious or fearful heart. Now, Jesus did not tell his disciples, let not your hearts be sad. That's not what he said. Because he, he is expecting his disciples to be sad. Sad would actually, sadness would be an appropriate response to what is about to happen to Jesus. Sadness and sorrow are a regular part of the Christian life. So you're not going to find anywhere in Scripture a command for you to never be sad. You'll never find that. Um, Jesus was a man of sorrows. Jesus was a man who was acquainted with grief. Grief. So both sorrow and joy, both are appropriate responses for us in the Christian life. However, fear never is an appropriate response. Anxiety 
is never an appropriate response for the Christian. Fear or or anxiety are never portrayed in a positive light. This is something that Jesus is, is giving us victory over. The Christian life is to be a life that's marked by peace, given this unshakable confidence that God is both good and that he is both sovereign or he is in control of your life. So the question is, how do we get this peace? Well, Jesus, he says he gives it to us not as the world gives peace, which means you have to ask, how is it that the world gives us peace? Because Jesus is going to give us peace the opposite way. Well, the world gives us peace through circumstances. If if we can just control our circumstances, if we could just get our circumstances to, to play out the way that we want them to play out, then we could get peace. That's what the world says. But there's a huge problem with that. There's actually a number of problems with that. I mean, just let me ask you, how many of you have blown it already? I mean, how many have blown it this week? You've already blown it. You've already slept late. You, you haven't prayed as much as you should. You got the extra 15 minutes of sleep in, you know, so you, you didn't have your quiet time. Uh, you've already said some un- unkind words to a close friend. Uh, you already are procrastinated on the paper that's due. Um, you haven't called back your mother. Um, that's me. I mean, we, we've, already, we've already blown it so many times. How do, how do we have peace when we can't even control our circumstances like that? All right, so I'm going to give you a, a one-sentence sermon, all right, that's going to completely change your life. One, one sentence. Are you ready for it? This is it. Try harder, all right? None of y'all even wrote that down, all right? Try harder. I mean, next week, I want you to try harder, okay? If your relationship with your parents is not the best, I want you to try harder harder at it. I want you to call them up every day and to build up that relationship. If you're behind in your reading, I want you to read hours more this coming week. If you've missed your prayer time, I want you to try harder. Get less sleep. Sleep two hours less a day and dedicate it to prayer. If you've neglected your friends this week, I want you to spend double the amount of time that you spent with your friends last week. I want you to spend with them this week so they feel valued with you. If your eating habits are terrible, I want you to try harder. Go grocery shopping at Whole Foods, all right? Buy some healthy food. We have a garden back here. You can use our garden. Grow your own vegetables to eat, all right? Work harder. If you can't sleep, Try harder. You know, get one of those sleep mattresses with the numbers on it, all right? Get some app that tells you, you know, how much deep sleep you've gotten. Work harder at it. How many of you would feel better? How many of you feel better about that? That all you have to do is try harder, and then you can achieve peace. It's actually pretty crushing, isn't it? when you think of all the things that you would have to really work at. You you don't feel better. I mean, as as I'm naming these things, you just feel worse. The anxiety grows as you think of all the things you have to do to try to fix and to be better at, and you become overwhelmed. So let me ask you this. Why, why, why 
do you believe that is how you get peace? By trying harder. The fears you have, the anxieties you have, are proof that that is what you're trusting in. That if I could just finally get a hold of the situation, if I could finally just get on top of it, then I'll get this peace. But that's not the peace that the Lord brings. Jesus says peace is not something you achieve. Peace is something you receive. It's not something you achieve. It's something that you receive. The peace that Jesus gives doesn't come from working hard or from trying harder. He doesn't give you a peace that's based on any kind of circumstance. Uh, The problem with a circumstantial peace is that it can never outlive its circumstance. It always comes and goes with every circumstance. So Jesus gives us a peace that won't change the circumstance. He gives us a peace that can endure any circumstance. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The peace can endure anything. This is what he talks about in Philippians 4 when he says these words, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I love that phrase Um, right after that when he says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that surpasses all understanding, meaning you will be given a peace that doesn't make any sense. A peace that when people look at you and they see the circumstance you're in and yet you have a peace, it can't be explained. That's what Paul is saying. And it's going to guard your hearts and your minds. It's not going to change your circumstance. Instead, it changes your heart. Not the circumstance, but it changes or it guards your heart here. Paul's actually using a military term here when he says the peace of God guards us. He's going to use the exact same term later in Hebrews or in uh, Ephesians 6 when he's talking about the armor of God. And the peace, once again, is part of that armor. He says the gospel of peace is part of the armor. It's the shoes that we wear. So we literally wear peace. And the reason it's the shoes in Ephesians 6, it means no matter what comes, no matter what hits you, you don't lose your footing. You don't slip and you fall. No matter what hits you. Because you have peace. The peace of God guards you from everything that attacks. It guards you from financial troubles, from failing relationships, from crushing expectations from your parents or friends. Doesn't say those things aren't going to attack, just that you are going to now be guarded when they do. You no longer have to fear them. It's, uh, I mean, Lauren and I, Lauren's my wife, and we have, um, gosh, just in the last few months, we have been so thankful for shoes of peace. Um, my wife, she just found out that her, her mom has uh, a pretty severe cancer that does not look like she's going to make it. And just out of the blue, you find out about this. And you feel like at first your feet are taken out from you. And then you realize they're not. They're not. And then this peace guards you. This 
peace that really surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds. And, and people could just look at how, how we're dealing with this, how Lauren's mom, who's a believer, is dealing with this, and like, how do you have such peace? And it's obvious, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Uh, the key to receiving this peace is found, we see in Philippians 4, it comes from that word thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God with, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says we're to pray, we make our request, and then we thank God before we get the answer. So we're already thanking him before anything actually comes our way. That's the key to receiving a peace that surpasses understanding. Because what you're saying is, God, I thank you for whatever comes my way, because no matter what comes my way, it does not matter. Because you have given me a heart that's guarded by peace. My peace is not based on whatever change of circumstance happens or if the, or if the uh, circumstance changes at all. And so we thank him no matter what happens and we just rest in him. That's peace. Uh, you know, our church, we, uh, we go to Haiti three, four times a year. I think some of y'all went to Haiti um, as well this past semester. My wife has been five or six times now to Haiti. I've been a few and no matter how much we prepare ourselves for this and uh, in all the meetings beforehand, uh, for all that we're going to see, all that we're going to experience, and for how we do not need to view ourselves as the saviors of Haiti, you know, when we come, we, we still kind of see ourselves as that. So we come into Haiti and we're like, here's, we're, we're the saviors of Haiti and we're going to bring you peace. We're going to get rid of all your anxiety. And it is just amazing how the tables turn every time I go. Haiti reveals my anxieties as I'm talking to all of these peaceful people <laughs> who, who are Christians. That, that we, we work in this community called Canaan, and they love the Lord. And no matter the circumstance, they have thanksgiving and they rejoice and they have peace. And it's unbelievable. I, I mean, I go in there and I want to like build new buildings for them. I want to bring them new clothes. I want to bring new curriculum for their school to teach. And all of these things, these ways that they can achieve peace. All these things that they could do to get rid of anxiety. But then we go there and we just see all the joy they have. And we learn once again, anxiety is something that we create in us. And peace is not something we achieve, but peace is something we receive. And they have received it. Uh, Pastor Henry, um, he's, he's one of my my hero is one of my dear friends there. He runs this orphanage in um, Canaan. And uh, after everything, he says, praise God. It actually gets a little annoying, all right? And uh, no matter what happens, so the, the truck breaks down, praise God. I mean, the truck catches on fire, praise God. Um, thieves come in, steal all the tools so we can't do any projects, praise God. Um, rats come in, eat all of the fruit, praise God. Uh, everything is praise God. All of those things have happened, by the way. I mean, all of them. And his response to each one of those things is praise God. And what you see there is this thankfulness. 
that no matter what comes was for my good. No matter what comes can't take away my peace because it's not based on circumstance. And you might be, I mean, some of you are, you're looking at, at me like I'm delusional here. And that, that's a delusional way of thinking, but it's not delusional at all. The delusion is that it is what we have believed all along that if we just keep working harder, we'll have peace. Um, I was, my 14-year-old girl, she was doing a presentation at her school last night, and it was 10 other 14-year-olds who had to make presentations about what their future will look like, all right? Like a 14-year-old knows, okay? And uh, it's kind of a nerdy school that she goes to. They had lots of PowerPoint presentations. And I kid you not, most of the presentations went something like this. My future, what I hope to achieve, and they would say happiness. And they say, happiness is the result of, and they would click it, and they say, hard work. Next, success. Good job. One said, lots of cheddar, meaning money, all right? And... Uh, <laughs> After the first person said, I was like, wow, that's, that, that kid's going to be disappointed. And then the next one got up there, and it was just another version of it. If I could just find the right job, if I could just work hard enough, if I could just get enough money, it will equal happiness. Then the next kid gets up there and says it. I wanted to get up there and just scream, but that would, my, my 14-year-old would have killed me. But we buy into the lie. That's delusional. That's absolutely delusional that that could bring you any sort of peace. Some of the most anxious people I know are the ones who have it all. But they're just so scared of losing what they have. And then they realize once they had it all, it didn't bring them any measure of real peace. Lauren, one, uh, I think it was last year, she took our 10-year-old Natalie to Haiti which was a big step for her. And uh, plus, Natalie's our crazy child, and we just were scared we were going to lose her. Uh, but, but she arrives in Port-au-Prince, and uh, Pastor Henry comes to pick up everybody in a cattle truck, all right? Um, so it has, you know, no real sides to it, no roof over it, you know. And uh, you're just, you just throw everybody on it and hope they don't fall off. And, uh, and so here's Lauren, and she, she grabs her, her 10-year-old girl, and she's putting her up on this cattle truck in Haiti. And she said, it just flashed before, like her whole life, all she's ever tried to do is keep this little girl safe. I mean, we bought the Volvo wagon, all right? You know, we had the Volvo wagon. Uh, you know, it's basically a tank on wheels. You, 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 you have all the straps when they're little, you know. You do everything to keep the child safe. And here she is throwing her child on a cattle truck that's about to go just whizzing through Port-au-Prince, um, which is just incredibly dangerous. And she, she just prayed. She goes, Lord, I, I just I entrust her into your care. And so they went. And it was about, you know, an hour and a half trip. And, you know, who knows how many car wrecks they avoided. And they're just bouncing around everywhere. And Lauren's just nervous as she could be. And she said, uh, um, you know, Natalie seemed to be doing okay. Well, when they got home, I, I asked Natalie about it because Lauren was just all just kind of stressed. I said, I heard you got to ride in a cattle truck. Like, how was that like? She goes, it was awesome. Like, she's like, we were bouncing around everywhere. Almost fell out so many times. Like, you know, you had goats going in the road and we had to swerve off and like, you know, all of this. And this, she's just describing this. I was like, well, weren't you scared? She goes, no. She goes, mom was with me. 
Like mom was with me. And that's what a child thinks. It doesn't matter the circumstance. You can laugh at everything that happens to you because your parents with you. Uh, but she was naive because she actually thought Lauren could do something. But we actually have a father who can. And he gives us the strength to go through every circumstance. This is what Psalm 23 is about. About the Lord is with me. Even when you go through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He doesn't keep you from going through the shadow of death. He's just with you as you go through the shadow of death. It's the peace of God. The peace of God that's given to us through his Holy Spirit. This is the peace that Paul is talking about. Jesus died to give us that peace. This is why Paul could say, He's content no matter the circumstance. Of course, you see this lived out in Paul. I mean, I was just thinking, do you know how infuriating it would have been to try to torture Paul? I mean, I mean, he, he gets all Tim Tebow, you know, and he's like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's, he's talking about all the circumstances that were thrown his way, but Literally, I mean, the Romans, they would say, all right, you need, you need to shut up or we'll throw you in prison. He's like, great, I'll convert the entire garden. It's like, well, fine, we're not putting you in prison. Just leave. Great, everybody I meet, I'm telling about Jesus. Well, fine, we'll kill you. Fantastic, I get to be with Jesus. He was untouchable. I mean, it's just infuriating. Like, no matter the circumstance, you couldn't break him. A peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what Paul is saying is yours. It's yours in Christ. I want to I pray that for you real quick. Father, I, I pray. Um, well, we, just, we just touched in your word here. But I pray that the peace that we just read about, that you would rain down on these students. That they would cease trying to achieve peace and they would receive the peace you have already provided for them. And you have brought them the ultimate peace. And that's between them and you, God. And I pray that they would rest in that and it would permeate every fiber of their being so that no matter what circumstance hits them and it will hit them, they will be guarded and they can rejoice. I pray each person here could laugh at the future. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.